You know, there's a, a huge Stars fan and fan of the podcast, formerly Rinky Dinking, now Podman Rush, named Andrew, who thinks that I don't I don't treat Heiko well on here. Because he's always late, I probably. Tease him How can you? We're you, ready. You guys exactly. are set up here. He's not ready to go. He's in the parking exactly. lot. Exactly. And I heard him squawking you, too. So, people, it's the Podman Rush. Podman Rush, PR4, PR4. Before we uh, dive into the actual journey of this week's third man high, if you will, and say hi to the late... Oh! Hey! There he is. Welcome. Hi, my name's Brent. Good to see you. Your name, sir? Hi, Mike. Brett? It has been Brett, if you're Lou Lamoureux. Or Brad. Yep. 11.03 11.03 for the 11 yep. o'clock taping. Great to Good see to see you, buddy. You. How are you? So Peachy. right into it. Have you got your breath? Happy to be here. Yes, I know you are. This is like a between periods interview. Well, try not there. Got to get the puck Try to get pucks deep. <laughs> get to our system. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, hey, speaking of getting pucks deep and to the system, before I formally introduce you to, uh, we're recording the day after. Wait for it. The boys went to overtime. Could be any day of the week since January of 2021. They went to overtime again. So how concerned are you with everything Dallas Stars right now? They remain one of two teams yet to win a game in regulation time with Arizona. They haven't won since the game. I touched, blessed, and dropped the puck prior to the home opener against L.A. <laughs> that was two weeks ago. Uh, they did rally to score three in the peg last night, but they needed four, and they've yet to score four. Ouchie, ouchie, ouchie. So, uh, Brent Severin. Hi. It's Great suit, by the way, when you drop the puck. Oh, Outstanding, thank, pinstripe. Thank that was the highlight of that entire episode. How concerned are you? Though with everything that has transpired here for today, the, with Heike being late, I was very that, nervous. Start with uh, by addressing that, and then I we'll know. get into the stars. Yeah, Heike's what happened? I think a fine is in order. We landed what? Sevy today. Put I a know. little respect on I that. I should Mike. have. It's my fault. Okay, moving on. So I'm concerned about both, really, for the Dallas Stars <laughs> and equally. You should be more Mike's concerned about time, me. I guess not. Yeah. No, no I, I think you look at their overall game and it's coming around, but it's more about, like you said, they can't put up three. Unreal. 3-2 three, league, from what I hear when I listen to you on the broadcast. That's what I hear. <laughs> Goaltending, specialty teams. That's what I hear. I listen, right? It's like a redundancy. Yeah, well, it is. <laughs> And uh, all the stars get a power play goal last game, which helps them as well. But for me, it's all, it's about the offense and you've been a goalie. And if you got to see that every day and you're trying to keep it to one to win hockey games, come to Papa, Mike, that is tough. Indeed. I'm going to go with a bigger topic or bigger um, potential reason. And I'm glad you're here, Brent Severin. I'm glad you made it. (laughs) Me too. Um, I think that they need to embrace this opportunity. Like if you go back to 1999, so they came off, you know. Whoa, we're going way back, machine. Way back. Let's cut the cord. And but can't because I think there's just too many good examples there that we can 
go back. Oh, and oh so you're saying a Stanley Cup winning team is a yeah, good it's, example? It's good. <laughs> I'm just asking. I, yeah. I'm new to the show. I don't get to listen well, that much. I'll, I'll go to this. Okay. There were three or four really good teams back then. Really good teams. And it was really hard to win the Stanley Cup. It always is. But I just think to beat Detroit, to beat Colorado, to beat those teams, you had to be really good. And so the Stars went through it. They didn't win the year before. And I think that steeled them. And then when they came in, and this is just my opinion, you can tell me inside the room if it was right, they believed they were great. They believed that they could do this. There was no doubt in their mind. And they also believed that the opportunity to do this, the window was very short. And I look at this team, and the window's really short. And they, I still believe, and I know there's a lot of critics out there, I still believe it's a well-made team that has the elements that can win in today's NHL, but I don't think they believe in themselves. I don't know if that's leadership. I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's just you can't score goals so you get frustrated, but they just don't show me that they believe that they're better than the other team, that they want to go out there and they want to set the tone. They want to play our game. They only want to play Dallas Stars hockey. And so if they can do that, if they can learn from Brent Severin and his Oh, you were so good. His group of point. his Kept group going. of pirates who stormed into uh, arenas and won two to one back when it was a two to one league. Uh I, I do think they could be a much better team if they just started believing in themselves. Wow, you have come in fast and hard this week. You took last week off, and you essentially just dumped the puck in and then went in and ran the pile here. I just was So you, you took a week off, and then you're late? And then I'm late. Yeah. Well, I was tired. So to touch on your point, the humility of our t that team that won the Stanley Cup, they knew that they could win, but they had to work to win. Correct. Always. And Always. They, and, and they believed in the work. You, they, yeah, when you're that skilled, right? right? There are people in that room that, but believe me, sometimes we win five to two yep. and a couple guys will get it in the room and just lay it to everybody yep. like it wasn't good enough. One of my greatest examples was, uh, uh, oh gosh, I can't even remember his name. The guy from Michigan, defenseman who was uh, changed to a forward. That is a great example. That John is Clem. No, no, no. no. Uh, Sergey Fedorov. <laughs> he played D? He did, you're right. Scotty put him on D. Marty Turco's good friend. Marty Turco's good friend. Anyway. He has lots of good friends. So he goes in his first game, and he's saying, I really felt like I played great. I was like, oh, I wow. made it. I'm in the NHL. And he goes, I get to the bench, and Guy Carboneau is in my ear for 45 seconds, saying all the things I did wrong. And it was, he goes, it was like, okay, I need to be better at this. Blake Sloan? Blake Sloan. There you oh. go. See? Ding, 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 ding. Blake, Blake a little was, bit of trivia. On, we on. get, get into trivia here, too, Sandy. Yeah, well, so. Blake was a D. He was a D. Hmm. And then he got switched to. You know he was four foot nothing, right? Right. Yeah, he would be an undersized D. Yeah, yeah. You can't, he, this, he could play in this game, but not back no, then. No, in the AHL, I think when he played with Houston, he was a defenseman. I'm pretty sure. You think or you know? I think. It's been a long time. Wow. <laughs> And, I like and, this. It's spitball and, and wild and, 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 and Mike Ica on I, I the podcast. A, I used up all my oxygen on that last rant. So who, <laughs> who knows what's going on here? <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. The thing that, that I'm struggling with now, I, I honestly thought this team was going to come in this year and continue to be a real good defensive team. But with the return of guys that were damaged and injured and and a little more maturing from the young guys, that they'd have 
I'm not going to say no problem, but they'd be much better offensively to where there would be this balance between the two. Well, there isn't the balance, really. And the, the troubling thing is that they continue to not be able to play complete games. Like, and they'll have these spasms of six minutes within a game where you're like, oh my God, they're the best team on the ice by far. And then that falls off and they can't get out of their own zone clean for a little while. It's just, it's puzzling. I know it has to be just absolutely gutting to the coaching staff to go over and over and over and over it. And then the players trot out there and they do the same things again and they can't fully get it their act together. Right. And that's why I think, I mean, it would be great to be in the room and to understand this, but what is the leadership group doing and what do players like Pavelski and Suter, how can they help calm people down and fire them up all at the same time? Uh, and then Jamie and Tyler and John and I mean, the entire group, how are they interacting with them and how are they trying to get them to a place where they have both poise and intensity. And it's a hard thing to do. It's hard to do in the NHL, but that's what's required. Everybody should watch Mr. Pavelski because whatever line you put him on, something happens, right. right? He is consistently good with the puck. It's always going deep. It's always great. When the stars get in trouble is when they cough up the puck. You talk about the spasms that they have. They're doing great, doing great. You know what changes that is those nasty little turnovers that end up back in their zone for a few minutes and away they go. It happened with Vegas. It happened with Ottawa. Stars are going well. Little cheesy one, like a, we call them stupid plays, like we've done them before, throwing it up the middle or not making the right play, and then it just changes, and you feel this momentum shift throughout the game. Yeah. And that's a big part of it as well. When they're just throwing it in, throwing it in, throwing it in. I remember Tampa Bay, they won a Stanley Cup by moving the puck off the wall. Next player would come, but he would move the puck off the wall, and then they would dump it in the corner. Yeah. They did it over and over and over. The Stars tried it a couple times. Now you get cute. And that's what I'm talking about. The humility with the Stanley cup winning team. They realized that you couldn't mess with that pocket, either blue line. And I mean, ever. Right. And if you did Keener's on you, and as you mentioned, Carbo's on. Yeah. You. That internal accountability on any great team. Hey, is just, it's everything. It's almost everything. And they, they just can't seem to all get on the same page at the same time right now. And, and you're right. I mean, Pavelski's lost half a step. I don't. I don't know what kind of a step he had in the very beginning, anyway. But from the neck up, he is Mensa. Yeah. As far as seeing the game and understanding, not just understanding the game, but I think he's really good at understanding moments in within the game yeah. when they really need this or they really need that. And we heard the stories when he was relatively brand new when they went to the final in the bubble that a lot of times he was the guy that said the right thing at the right time in behind the scenes. Like even go back to, remember that stretch they were on in Western Canada? They go up there. Jamie hadn't scored in forever, and they were stumbling, bumbling along a little bit, and then they won the game in overtime, and they were down after two periods. And I remember after the game we were talking to some guys, and, and they stated that Joe Pavelski kept reminding them, like, we're, we're a good team in here, and just stay with the game. Like, yeah. it's going to come. and that's. That's that calm waters guy that you have to have within there and then can go out and back up whatever he's saying within the room. Yeah, that's the key too. I well, mean, that, you, you, yeah, have to be, you have to be able to perform, and he does. Yeah, that there, that leadership is absolutely vital. Like, it's crazy when if the things start to go nuts with a good team. It, you look over at the guys, and it's calm when it has to be calm. Right. Like, they just know. 
they'll give a few barking. Like Hatch was a guy like that and very quiet guy. But every now and then he would speak up and go, Hatch is talking. Yeah, exactly. Hatch exactly, is talking. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or if Keener, Keener's talking, everybody's just quiet. Yeah. You know, Polly would come in squawking and doing his thing. <laughs> but when Keener was talking, yes. right, everybody was listening. When Carbo opened up his yap and he, it was, it was vital that, it just calmed everybody, and that's what they felt. I would think Brandon Morrow would have been that way during that tenure, too, when he was wearing the C here, because he was the same. The captains here have all been similar, right, where they, they don't really say all that much, but when they do say something, and most of the time it's it's uh, leadership by what I do, not what I say, and Jamie's the same way now. Jamie was great last yep. night. Yeah. Yep. Really good. But he, he's not going to stand up in the room and – call guys out and, you know, rah-rah anything. He's just going to try to lead by example and, I think, try to support guys that he feels are maybe struggling a little bit. Yeah. But I wonder, you, does, he, does he talk in the room like that? I bet he does. Yeah, I bet, I, he's I like bet. Hatch, I would assume. Yeah. That you're, you're like, oh, oh, Jamie's a little angry. Yeah. That's everybody picking up quarters. You know, you're looking up, don't make eye but contact. But you know, too, Sevy, like, that was Jamie's first goal in like 18 yep. games, in first goal this season. It is really hard. I don't care how long you've been a leader on a team or a captain or whatever. If it ain't happening for you, it is really hard to start saying, you know, we got to do this, we got to do that, because you're going, well, I need to do that. Right. So maybe I just look after my own little kitchen here before I worry about everywhere else in the house. Yeah, and I think all of that comes together. It's interesting, last night's game, when that goal got disallowed, the wind just went out of the team, and it took him a while to get it back, and maybe even the intermission. Um, and end of the second period was a little bit better, but I mean, when they, when they got that goal disallowed, there was nobody there to say, hey, we're a good team. Well, it was how quickly things unraveled right after that, too. There's a penalty taken, and they score on the power play. It all happened within a minute. So it, instead of 2-2, two, two, it's 3-1. to one, You're right. down. You know, give them all kinds of credit for going in the room. I, they seem to need to get slapped in the face to really get charged up and going especially on the road yeah home's or, a bit of a different or they wait till the third period 10 minute mark isn't it funny all of a sudden <laughs> no really every game it's yeah it's time to go yeah like but i said to brian clock on the broadcast, to down i said little. okay i said to brian okay here's the time when they turn it on sure enough they start to come they start to push they get back in the game put it to overtime yeah all right well we'll move on for a moment here i i just got this one jordan get a rim shot ready this the stars squads scoring struggles the Stars couldn't score a musical right now if their name was the Dallas Andrew Lloyd Webbers. I got that, Sammy. Did you get hey that? Hey-oh! Moving on. I thought it'd be nice this week, uh, and apropos, uh, to have a Western Canadian boy on the uh, podcast. You're going to have to just tap the brakes for a little bit. Mike, and learn a little something about the great boys and growing up and life of the Western provinces of Canada. Uh, Sevy's from Vegreville, a home of the largest Easter egg on planet Earth, the egg. I don't want to brag, but the Queen was there, saw the world's largest Easter egg, and the Stanley Cup was there. So, badam, that. badam. That's it. The egg. Tell us about the egg. 30 feet high, turns with the wind, changes colors with the sun. Come to Papa. What else you want to know? Okay. That's all you got to know. I need to go see this. Yes, you I do. I really yeah. do now. It's weather vane turns. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Looks like a Fabergé egg in the sky. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, you are, are one of a very select few, few that I know of that 
played major junior, Canadian college, IHL, AHL, NHL. Oh, Jesus. Uh, and in Europe, in Germany. What, which part of that overall journey <laughs> which, did you enjoy the most? Which part? Yeah. Oh, uh, gosh, that's a great question. Um, did you enjoy your time in major junior? I was learning, man. I was so scrawny. And, and scared all the time. I was actually a player. Like I was a player up until the last three years of my NHL career when I had to fight. So I played and guys like Rudy Postchek and Ken Danico, you know, I, I needed a diaper cause I was so scared to be out there with them. Cause I hadn't grown. I was lifting weights, but I, and then as I got bigger and stronger, you know, I could fight those guys. But so I was a little bit scared in junior. That's, that's a little bit nervous when you have those kind of guys coming after you. University of Alberta. That was changed my life for sure. That's Claire that, Drake. Claire Drake. Claire Drake. Yeah. He showed me how to treat people and he showed me how to play great the game. Coach. Like, yeah. Well, great person. Yeah. Like, like I can't even, you know, I just, you know, it changed my life. You know, he changes, changed a lot of people's lives. And I was only there for two years. I went from thinking I was going to go to school, never to play hockey again to in the NHL two years after that. Pretty amazing. What'd yeah. What'd you take at school? Athletic therapy. Oh, good. I would have been, uh, you know, a uh, athletic therapist or a physical therapist, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Germany. Oh man. I got to play again. You know, with the stars. I know, and, I know. Yeah. I want to get, I'm going to ask you about that too, okay. but Germany was. Awesome. We won the championship. So I was able, you want to talk about taking the things that I learned from the Dallas stars in 99. I took every bit of that and took it to my team in Germany. And I was the Mike Keene of the team. And that was the coolest part for me because I could manipulate the room. I could guide the room. It was awesome. Everything that he did, I did. And because of that, I was a catalyst to it as well as being a tough guy, which kind of settled down everybody else. They really brought me in to settle down the other teams, but I got to play again defense, which was my position, not forward. So yeah, that was a real cool experience too. Was anybody there with you that we would know? Uh, or were they all? Uh, there was is it Auschlander? Which Auschlander? Is that the Excuse me, Nationals there? Auschlander. I had a bu- yeah, I had a bunch of guys that, remember around our time when we were finishing up junior, Yeah, there were guys that weren't going to play pro. But they could go over to Germany and live there and become German citizens, not having any real German heritage, just live there for a while. So you'd look on some of those German teams and they had like 14 Canadians. Yeah. But yeah. There was, there's an import. Rule. Simon, You're only allowed Simon to Wielden was one, if you yeah, remember you him. Go. He yeah. was our captain and he was the guy that was like that. He With was, you? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. We yeah. had a bunch of, bunch of guys. I just can't remember. Uh, Chris Luongo was my defense partner. So yeah, it was cool. We had different guys. We had an English coach. And so it was great. Uh, do you remember uh, when you had the epiphany at s- some point, maybe when you were playing minor hockey or whatever, when you realized you were a good player, like a really good player? <laughs> I'm still waiting to see that. <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> like, yeah, true. that is true. Yeah, no, I like, pff, listen, I hung on by the skin of my fingers every single day. But you don't go, never, you don't play major junior without somebody along I have the line. no idea to this day how it all really? works. Honest to God. Like even coming from my town of 5,000 people, all of a sudden I'm in Seattle, Washington playing for the breakers. I don't know if I can swear on here, but what the hell happened? I have no idea how that happened. I've, and then all of a sudden I got drafted, wasn't good enough. Then I went back in the draft. Nobody drafted me. So I went to the university of Alberta, thought I was done. Claire Drake changed my yeah. life. All of a sudden I'm back in the NHL and all of a sudden I'm, kicking ass and taking numbers because I can fight all of a sudden because all of a sudden I grow into my body at 22 and I am laying a smackdown. A year later, I'm in the NHL playing with Guy Lafleur for the love of Mary. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. To this in day Quebec. in Quebec. Yeah. 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 So who knows? I have no idea. Okay. Then what, when did you know you were tough? 
When did you realize you were, you were tough? Uh, in the AHL, this guy named Meadmore, I think his name was, came out after me and he, everybody was scared of this guy. And I absolutely lit him up. Like it was the, yeah. And some of the guys from Kamloops, I forget their names already. And they were playing in the American league and I had played with them against them and they were tough guys. And I had no trouble with them whatsoever. Wow. Well, cause I didn't get strong until I was 22. Like when I was 16, 17, 18, I was 185 pounds and I was cranking iron and you know, I didn't get on the juice or anything, but it just takes longer when you're doing it naturally. And all of a sudden I got really strong and I'd taken boxing for about nine years. And all of a sudden I was just lighting up guys. It just happened. I didn't like it though. That was the problem. Well, I know. Yeah. Those guys, but like I the guys you of, played with. I knew a lot of guys though that really did not enjoy it. Did Rudy Postcheck like it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know what I mean? There's a couple of like, yeah, heavy, he, Bob he Probert, I'm sure he liked it. He tells you he doesn't, but he wanted to, you know, Ty like Domi, Johnny all those Cordic guys. Oh my God. Tony it. Twist. Yeah. Those yeah. guys, they enjoyed it. Like I'm not a, those guys are tough guys. I'm a fighter, man. I can fight. I know I can fight, but I am not tough at all. I have zero toughness in my body. I always wondered this because you are the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. I know. I, know I, I hate confrontation. I know. I'm quiet. So, I am so a, how do you find the anger? Is it just in oh, the moment yeah. when you're on And that's the what I know. I know deep down if someone takes me to a bad spot, whether it's whatever, physically or mentally, I will be there. But it's so deep down yeah. there. Like only a couple of times I got really mad. And when I got mad, I absolutely destroyed people, yeah. but it's weird. Yeah. It's a funny thing. Cause that in my real life, nobody, I don't care less about if someone's pushing me or like I was a bouncer for three years. I never got in a single fight, not one fight. Cause I'd say, hey, that's a good bouncer. Yeah. Thank you very Smart. much. That's roadhouse right there. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> it wasn't because of that. Anyway, I don't know. That's talking too much. So yes, that's uh yeah, I wasn't tough at all. I don't think I don't even consider myself a tough guy. I can fight. I know I can fight. Do you do the MMA actual matches? No, never. Okay. No. I thought you, cause you no, enjoy I, I it. I fool around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, do you ever find that in that competition? No. No, you never I just find do the it. anger in that competition. No. Okay, I just I'm curious. No way, no way. No. Okay. If you get punched, ever you get punched in the face, it's not fun. <laughs> like even like jujitsu and all that. Yeah. Like it hurts. Like yeah. it's not fun at all. Yeah. Not fun at all. Unlike Dalton, I don't think anybody walked up and said, "I thought you'd be bigger." <laughs> no, no, you're plenty big. Uh, what do you think of the role of fighting in the game? Oh, it drives me nuts. You, yeah. you know, I'm old school on I this. I am old school on this, and you know, the hitting and the cheap shots and. It's fluffy out there, right? Guys are talking to each other. The thing about our sport that I really liked was that because I had to take myself to the highest limit. You know, when we went in Kamloops to play you guys, holy crow, you better have it strapped on. You better be biting down on that mouth, mouth guard because if you wanted to score goals, you're going to have to go through a group of people that absolutely wanted to trash you. Like, it was like unreal. yeah, it was crazy. Like, and I know it's changed a little bit in concussions and all this, but. I don't understand it. Like everybody loves a fight. The, I love watching MMA. UFC is my favorite sport now. You know, hockey's great, but it's got away from that toughness. And who doesn't like a fight? I don't know who these people are. I haven't met one yet that don't enjoy Mike. No lawyers. I like it. I'm old school with you. The, yeah. law, the lawyers and the concussions. They're the ones who said, we can't do this. I mean, if it, if it hurts one person's life, so to speak, then... Than the so none of these people have ever played in a league where there's no fighting. I have. I agree. You and go, you go play Canadian college back in my day. Yeah. Like it was crazy. There's a lot of people who have never Holy. played in the league who are directing where the league is going. Yep. That's just, it's a yep. business. It's yep. a, it's an entertainment business. Yep. Yeah. So. I hear you guys talking about it. Like if, if someone runs your guy, you shouldn't go after him. I think you said that several times, right? Yeah. But I think you go right after him. You let them know. 
Because that little bit of doubt in their head, if Jamie Ben goes over and fights them immediately, that doubt next time comes around, you do that. When I see Milan Lucic in the lineup, I'm not going to be running Goudreau. Just not going to do yeah. it. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? The, like, the other thing is, is when you do that and now your team sticks up and kills a penalty, or, mm-hmm. like there's just a wave of team building that happens after somebody does that. Yeah, listen, Keener would be the first guy out there fighting the small guys for me, right? right? I'm not going <laughs> to fight a small guy. Right. He's going to get in for me because he does, you know, I have... I'm going to supposed to beat him up. And if I lose to him, then they get the advantage. Yeah. So no, yeah, I, I really think it should still be there. I didn't like the meatheads like myself well, being out there. But That's, I never thought of you as that. I always thought of you as uh, like a team cop for your, for your team at the time. Did you ever sit there for, for well, no, 20 years? Uh, yeah, I sat for plenty. Yeah, yeah no, but you know what I mean? And then go in like. But that that's what I was going to ask you. Like. I, I, how did you feel about those when it got into that era of staged fights where guys would just sit there in the last five minutes of the game? It was like, okay, let's get our fight in here tonight. It had nothing to do with what went on within. But I, th- I th- really honestly think it does. I think down the road it does. And it, you're just letting other teams know that it's going to be time. And, and yeah, you have to, you have to pee on your tree. To let people but know. But I always thought there was a difference though between if your team's getting smoked and you're down five yeah. to one. And then that happens. It was like, that's yep. a message sent. Yep. But we got into that era where. Testing the, each the, other. Like the two guys just didn't play because they couldn't really play. They weren't very good players. What the heck was I going to do then? No, not you. No, I'm, everybody. I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking yeah. after you. And with, with that, it was like all of a sudden there'd be five minutes left in the game and those two guys would show up on the ice. They'd just stand there and wait for the puck to drop. And then they would fight each other. It was like. I don't understand that. That didn't have, have anything to do with the game here tonight. Yeah, I would do it because it's sending a message to that team at some point that I'm going to stand up for my guys and it's down the road. Yeah. Did it have anything to do with the game? No. Was it staged? I guess that's a stage fight, but everything always has a reason, I think. Yeah. Always. So uh, Seattle, when you were playing there, could you ever have envisioned an NHL team there? You were at Seattle Center yeah, Arena back yeah. then, which was a nut barn. Yeah, wasn't it great? It was awesome, but <laughs> yeah. it was crazy. That's the craziest. That was the craziest building. Is that you believe that too? Because I yes, do too. I do. I mean, come on. It, it. I would get pelted with pennies from the upper bowl, and they'd heat them up so they'd stick to the ice. <laughs> it had chicken wire, not glass. So there were all these girls, these booster club girls, that would sit there with water pistols full of perfume. And they just fire it at guys through the uh, th- through the chain link on there. The boards had this rubber band around the top of it, and it was squ- the rink yeah. was square. Our, ours was no dream either yeah. in Kamloops, yeah. but this thing was squared off corners, and it had it had like tire rubber for the Zamboni. I guess. Is that what it was for? <laughs> to, to this day, I don't know why. How many separated shoulders you had to play all oh, your games oh, yeah. there? But at I'm home. defense, so guess what? I could run your guys into it, <laughs> right? You do. You catch them into it. I guide because they didn't want to go there, so I would just guide them in there, and they get their shoulder ripped off. But the off. environment there was awesome. Oh my god, it was unbelievable. It was like the precursor to everything you see now. Gary Glitter, rock and roll, flailing on the system with the spotlights going. Everybody standing up. Yeah, yeah. Everybody standing up and cheering. Is this the one where Hitch said the visiting locker room was a curtain? Yep. Yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. And he said yeah. like you would, people would literally sh- take a knife. Like they'd be carrying uh, knives, but. Uh, eh. that's yeah. You might want to fold that in half. And <laughs> You're saying Hitch embellished the story? We did have, we had the craziest, <laughs> we had the craziest brawl in that hallway though. Oh my There gosh. when I was playing for LaForge and those people were right by the curtains and we were coming off the ice and they, they were kind of trying to throw punches through that blue curtain. And our boys just started swinging sticks <laughs> like they were chopping down a tree through it. And then they came through and oh. then our guys came out 
And I came out of the dressing room and I looked and our guys were fighting all the way down to the uh, concession at the end. And, you know, little Rob Brown and Greg Hoggett and these guys were just swinging sticks as hard as they could. Cops came into our dressing room, told, and LaForge was just ecstatic. He thought this was the greatest day Good team builder. of his life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's team building. And the cops just came in and said, look, you guys need to get on your bus and you need to get out of this country right now. <laughs> we couldn't stop for food until we got across the border and away we went. But did you did you yeah, ever it think be, it would yeah. be a good, they love their hockey there? Yeah. I didn't know if it was going to be as it was going to be big, but yeah, there's a lot of people that love the sport, a lot of people, and it's only five six thousand people that we fit in that barn. But there was something about it; people yeah. loved it. Yeah, and Agreed. I still my billets. I still talk to them after how many years? Right? Do you still have billets? Oh yeah, out? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy how there's second families. The people you yeah. live with, we call them billets. That's who we stay with. They're our second family. So yeah, I still talked to them and they went to the game the other night. Really? So it was awesome. Yep. All of them, all those people that I knew from Seattle went to that Kraken game, the very first one. So it's That's, pretty amazing. Yeah. What a, what a change of events to go from Seattle center arena to what is it? Climate change arena. Something. Is that what yeah. it's called? Where they took that roof and suspended it. I can't wait to go out there and see Mike, it. is it too early for you? No, I just don't remember. Okay. I, I'm, I I, I'm, I'm 60 years old. I just don't remember. My brain doesn't work as well as it used to. It's like how I just saw Blake Sloan in Nashville like a year ago and I can't pull his name out of my head. Oh, noted defenseman Blake Sloan. He was true? a defenseman in the AHL and they changed him. I believe that's uh, why uh, Hitch brought him in because uh, somebody was giving him good reviews down in the HL and he was a defensive minded forward. He was defensive minded because forward. He was great. He was a defense. Yep. <laughs> He was my daughter Fallon's date at at uh, my brother in law and my wife's sister's wedding. Yeah, when they got married years and years ago, and he's just stunned by yeah. you know she's twenty two now and towers over him, right? Right. And she was this little flower girl. I think she was like three. She was Blake Sloan's. She was still up to his shoulders at three, but he's going to hate that if he listens to this. Uh, do you have any horror stories from those bus rides in the horror dub? stories? Just the smell alone is going to make me Did sick. Did you guys have a sleeper bus? Yep. You lucky dogs. Yep. We had nothing. Just foamies on the floor of pure diesel for Thir 19 hours. I know. Our longest was 19 hours. Oh, I remember we, we jumped on the bus in Kamloops. We went 19 hours. We stopped in Calgary for breakfast. That was it. Otherwise, we were just on the bus. No TVs, no, you know, nothing. And we uh, had to go to Winnipeg. And we got off at like five, I think we got off the bus and played at seven. <laughs> I, I was in a, I, I was in a, like a bus coma. I remember in warm up, it, it didn't seem real. It seemed surreal. Did you get the booster packets with every bit of sugar and junk you could? Did <laughs> no, you get those? No. Oh, see, we did in Seattle. Every time we went on a bus trip, every booster gave a player this big really? bucket of stuff. Yeah. Wow, so we, we had that had, going we had for great boosters, but we never had that. Yeah, you guys Sugar just won championships. Yeah, we were bottom yeah. of the barrel, but <laughs> then we and then we just basically played and fought our way back across the prairies home. Isn't that insane? It was insane. And you guys had to go across the border so much, hey? Yeah, from down yep. there. Yeah, yeah. The Victoria trip was where we had to sleep. We actually stayed down on the bus on the ferry as we went across to Victoria. So there's all kinds of stories. Yeah, it's. It's crazy how we survived that. Isn't it though? It is. That's when people talk about, oh my God, it's a three and four. I, I still laugh to this day. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Oh, oh three, three oh. and four on your charter jet back to with back, yeah. masseuses <laughs> and everything else. Five star hotel. Hey, you know, when I went, speaking of plane rides, when I went on that trip with the boys to El Paso, nothing has changed on the flights. Nothing. I haven't been on a plane with a team for gosh, 20 years, probably. 
Nothing has changed. The card table's in the same spot. The coaches are in the same spot. The quiet guys are in the back over to the side reading and doing, you know, the nerds are playing the games up here. The younger guys got their music. It was deja vu. It's the exact same. Nothing's changed. I know. The food, everything. It's like it gets passed down. It does. Everything, everything was the same. I was like, holy, where's Sidor? Where am I? (laughs) You know, where's Daryl Sidor? Yeah. I thought that was the craziest thing. Nothing has changed on that. Uh, Kids have changed a little bit. You think? You coach a lot of youth yep. and and help them. So in, in your eyes, what do you like about- Passing. They can't pass. Really? It's amazing. Because what do they watch all the time? What's on YouTube? Patrick oh, Kane. Yeah. yeah. Patrick Kane, Shan Dangling, once every 10 games, and McDavid doing his little toe drag shift move, but they can't pass. Everything from adults all the way to the kids, nobody can pass because mm. they don't work on it. They don't want to work on it. Wow. Well, just like the stars, here's, here's the one thing with the stars. If you watch their second pass recently in the past, what is it? In not going into their 10th game, the second pass dictates whether they will make it up the ice or not. And they've had so much trouble with the second pass. They were doing it the other day. They were practicing passing and I put it on Twitter and people just kind of, oh, they should know how to pass already. Well, yeah, if you're doing 20 miles an hour and you're trying to make a pass under pressure through the middle of the ice on the guy's tape kind of be it's kind of hard yes. so but passing is the biggest my biggest pet peeve with every because no one wants to do it they would just want to have the Sev, puck. everybody Sev, wants to Sev, have can the we puck. dangle want to work on the toe drag <laughs> oh the michigan is what they all want to do <laughs> right can we do the michigan right i like playing that game sometimes when i'm watching other uh, games at night and just count passes see how many they can string yep. together yep and you can tell which team's the better mm-hmm. team yep. just by one two three four some sometimes you can't get to three it's like one pass, second pass, chipped in, shot on goal, lose, turnover, whatever. Yep. After that, you're right. After that first pass, second pass, just it's yeah, it's so vital. And look at Tampa Bay with their power play. How, why does it work so well? Is because they first of all enter the zone great, and it's just the puck position after yeah. that. What What do you wish that uh, kids now had from when we were young and their age? Is there anything that that you wish they had a better grasp of or would adopt from- I wish they'd watch the game more, especially here in Texas. Do they just uh, like grab clips from YouTube and then? Is that the only way they- Yeah. yeah. Well, I I may have told you this before. At one point I was training 150 kids and I had maybe 100 adults a week. And I would ask kids when they'd come in for their team train, yeah, who watched the game? And I'm telling you, nobody. Nobody did, but watches. they all read Heike on DallasStars.com? No. They or? did. They always asked about his sweater vest. Why, why <laughs> yeah, was the it velvet. vital? The velvet. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. It's okay. It's funny. I, I go talk to kids sometimes and tell them what you could do if you become a journalist. Because that's, you know, that's why I'm there. I'm there for the career day or whatever. And I said, well, you could go talk to a music star backstage. You could do this. And uh, I said, so you know, do you ever go on the website and read stories? He goes, no, I just watch YouTube videos. And I'm like, so you never read a story? No, why would I read something? Yeah. And I mean, this, you know, these are 14, 15 year old kids. Yeah. And they just, they literally look at you like, why would I read something? Are they purely visual learners now, do you think? Well, there's a study that was done when I went to college. (laughs) It said 20%. Yeah, but it's true that you can watch a skill and do it. They did a study with a basketball free throw and they just had people watch it and they could do it. But I think with, uh, you talk about hockey IQ and you look at Miro Haskinen and the way he's able to find paths through and 
Klinger doing his little dust off there the other night. Kids don't know how to do that because they don't watch. They don't know positional play. If you look at the way everything is, it is skills, 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 toe drag, toe drag, shooting. Again, no passing, but they all work in these small confined areas, but they don't know how to play or where to go. Hmm. Pavelski's one-time shot. If we go back and watch that on the power play, his, the way he adjusted to get to that puck, that was the whole play. Yeah. That was the whole play. And how he went from being a key cog of getting the pass from Robertson, he moved quickly over to Radulov and adjusted his body to make that play. And that's where kids lack. They'll just rotate or they, they don't understand where to be or where to shoot or why to shoot. You know, I'm always explaining that to people. And that's the tough part of teaching small little nuance of the game. I can, I can just imagine. Because they, whatever's flashy is and sexy. Yeah, whatever's is, flashy. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, Connor McDavid does it. Yeah. Well, yeah. But here, here's the deal. When you watch Connor McDavid, his best move is one-two backhand forehand. But he does it at full speed. Yeah, we've seen him do the toe drag, and it's a stick speed that's fast, right? He skates, yes, but one-two. Watch, it's a one-two. I try to tell kids, but mm-mm. do it and then do it faster, and yep, then do that's it, it faster, right? And then yep. do it faster. Well, speaking of sexy, the show's on Bally. Uh, and Fox forever prior to that. You've done pre, post, between periods. Um, what do you like about the gig? What I like, oh, I get to see you every day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You have to listen no. to me every day. <laughs> no. no what, what, I, what, what do you like about it? Well, it's like hockey. It's the same thing, right? I've worked in an office before, and, and Mike, you get, it's different. Every day is yeah. a little bit different. For us, we get to work with a team. Like they putting together a show for me is like getting ready for a game. You have a beginning, you have an end, you get some feedback from it. And then that's, it's, it's really like a hockey game. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you're shaking your head, you say something that's just stupid in your mind. You're like, this is stupid. Or you go home and that was just the worst broadcast ever. You know, that was dumb. What was I doing? Or you go, oh, that was pretty good. You know what I mean? And I think that's what I like best about it. It is like a team. Everybody has to do their thing. And, you know, we got a producer who's really grumpy. Matt is his name and he is always barking, but I'm trying to talk him off the ledge every day. So I'm the Mike Keen of the kind of broadcast a little bit. So that's what, that's and really you don't what I know, enjoy. The thing I love about it, and probably for you too, Mike, with, with writing is it's an industry, it's a business, right. it's a job where it's not mundane. It's not the same thing every day. If some of it is and feels like it is, but you, you don't know what's going to unfold. No. You, you have to be prepared for all kinds of things and- and react to those things and present them in the best way that you can. I, and I love that. It, yeah. And, and it, it's what kind of keeps you excited about the, the sports media business. So, and if with, you screw up, you can screw up big. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's there. You're right it's there in front. always there. Live. <laughs> it's recorded. It'll be repeated. Yeah. Uh, wh so what do you dislike about it? I am a big time introvert. You know what I mean? I am really, for whatever reason, I, for years and years and years, since I was like five, I had, I am, I'm an introvert and that's very hard for me to get in front of people and talk, believe it or not. Like it's so hard. It's not hard in the camera. As you know, the camera's easy, right? Yeah, Just like we're there. sitting here. Right. But if you were to put a few hundred people in here sweating, I'd be sweating for days. Yeah. It is real difficult. Or even to go in talking to the guys, you know, it's tough yeah, for me yeah. to be in that room. I friggin' hate it. When I played, I didn't mind because I love talking to people. I love, like people don't, I love to talk to people, but I'm such an introvert that it's real difficult at times. It's then people, I think, may take it the wrong way. Do you like talking to people? Yeah, I do. Oh my God, this guy right here. I do. It's, it is funny. My, my daughter's that way and my wife is not. 
And so she and I will be, we'll be in the car and we'll just be jabbering away. And my wife is just like, can you people shut up? And I'm just like, well, you know, we, we like talking. I, I like talking. I think you do. I think there's times I think you want to be introverted, but there's also times when you enjoy there, the, I, I don't mind talking, but I, I like to not talk. Yeah. I've seen you. Like I I'm borderline aloof just in my own thoughts and just do my own thing and observe. Yes. I like to watch. If you're going to put a stamp on on what you do, what what do you hope it is, Mike? Um, I'm going to steal your word. Infotainment. Yeah. I really do. I want to inform people. I really believe, like, like I think you do the same thing. We're going through the notes, and we're going like, I found this. Nobody else has it. I found this little note, this nugget, and I'm going to share it with you. And so then I feel very good about that. But... You got to do that in an entertaining way. Present it. Present it. And so, you know, you've seen me write some goofy stuff. I've seen you record some goofy stuff. And I think most of that was done when this team was not very good because we were trying to find ways to entertain these people. And I think we did. And I think we try and continue to do that. But that's it. I I love finding information and I love trying to present it in, in an entertaining manner. What about you, Sevy? Just make them smile, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's nothing better than the giggle right there. That for me is my candy. That's when I, you, I'm on the ice here in the next couple hours, man, when they smile and they pick up something and they're having a good time or on a broadcast, you know, I make someone chuckle or get a little reaction from these guys. That to me is all, I, you know, I, I want people to laugh because there's so much junk going on Yeah. for us. I'm a big believer that this sports, there should be separate from the nonsense that goes around in the world. Right. Cause what are we doing? We are just entertaining. Like right. it, that's all we're doing. We're trying to make people have a couple hours away from the nonsense. Yeah, no matter you're right. Like and it, it can be hard when it's equal losses and wins or God forbid the spiral with nothing but it. Cause you don't want to be overly jokey when things are fairly serious, but at the same time you got to find or hit some kind of balance between the two of them. Cause people do need to enjoy yeah. consuming whatever you're putting out there. And if it's just, you know, nothing but doom and gloom, there's, there's 900 channels. Well, and that's and why you want, I can't want, go to Twitter because it's just constant people yeah. just MFing each other. And I'm like, really, yeah. this is what you're doing all day. Yeah. I mean, social media, it's, it's a one-way street, no matter what with me and just never go into the well, comments how old are your girls? and 22 and 20. Yeah. So they've hit it. They hit the, like it. When was it? My, my girl, right. When she was 12 is when all this started. And yeah. right. If you oh, saw the social dilemma, man. if you saw the social dilemma, right. They showed exactly what's happening to yeah. the kids. Gross. And that was right at my daughter's. And that's what happened to her from reading all that nonsense i, I think so like i call it something other than nonsense yeah too. Well, you, <laughs> but we're, we're we're trying to be nice uh, here the pod man yeah. rush all right well back to the state of the stars what they're in western canada what, what do you think the reason is why this team and it's not just this group but this team has had as much success as they've had through the years on these trips through western canada like you just look at the last little while. They've only lost four of the last 21 games in Western Canada in regulation. And then if you want to you toss in the, uh, the bubble in Edmonton, it was in Edmonton, you know, they run to the Stanley Cup final in Edmonton. Why? What, what reason is there for it? Personally, I think the teams that they are playing up there typically play a little bit more wide open hockey. 
And so then if you believe in what they do, well, part of it was Lindy. When Lindy did it, then it was just six, five games. But I mean, this this goes over a quarter century. I agree. But I'm saying Hitch's style, tip style, the style they play now is a counterattack style in which you want the other team to take chances. You take advantage of those chances. And the history of Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary. Yeah, Edmonton, or uh, Vancouver had the West Coast Express yes. at the time. and These teams want to go, go, go. Edmonton and, had hate. And I think the style that, like I said, Hitch, Tip, the current administration plays can take advantage of those things. So that's just, that's just a theory. Yeah. Western Canadians turn it up. Yay! Yay! That's all you got to know. That's all you got to know. It's like the gap, right? They're playing in Winnipeg, and usually it's Ben, who is from uh, in the Victoria area, right? British Columbia. Uh, Sagan is from Ontario, so they're playing in the gap. They both come up. They <laughs> The gap in Winnipeg, right? That's where- Manitoba, the gap. It's the gap, yeah. isn't it? The gap it's, of Canada. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's the gap. Transferring so, from the prairies so to the east. That's what I think. Oh, and in the ice. It's the ice. Oh, Slick ice, slick fast. Yeah. Ice. We're a faster team there. Because if I talk about kids, if I hear another kid go, "Man, do I got to play on this ice?" I'm going to snap. Serious? Oh they yeah. Complain about the ice surface. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Here, play, oh, here, here in Frisco, oh, the ice is bad, Sev. Or oh, this ice really stinks. Yeah, always. I said, "What? Well, here's what we're going to do." Your hands there. Uh, yeah. That's what I say. I said, "Go," but I always say, "Go to Madison Square Gardens and enjoy that oh, my ice." God. Yeah. yeah, that's the worst Watch ice, right? That yeah, thing. exactly. It's like a frozen right? ocean. Yeah. The I believe that, and I know it's it's uh, vacillated a little bit through the years from having a ton of Western Canadians on the team or a lot of them to have very few. Uh, but I, I think they get up into that hockey immersion up there in in Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver and Winnipeg, and and they just they're in a hockey environment for a week to two weeks and they roll through there all they think and they're together and th that coupled with the fact that let's be serious some of those western canadian teams have not been very good for a long period of time and they feasted on on that but hopefully this thing follows suit uh it's just it's a quick one yep they picked up a point now, if they can win a game in Calgary, and they always win in Vancouver, right? So yep. they've won there for yep. a decade. You know that's going to continue. Now, everyone listening to this will say, well, Razor just jinxed them again. <laughs> you have that power? No, no I don't at all. Uh, well, if you have if you have Tim Bits and uh, Tim Horton's coffee, right? The Mike? fuel of the gods, Mike. The fuel of the gods. Honest and truly, what affects me the most up there is Canadian television. You oh, really yeah. do yep. feel like... You're in a completely different world because it is hockey, hockey, hockey. And then whatever Canadian television you have, like you feel like you're in Canada. Isn't it funny though, how there's two sides to that? Because the players come through there and it it's like Christmas week, right? Yeah. You're in it and it's like, oh my God, we're, it's like going to a tournament, you in know, the, when you're 12 yeah. or something for the guys that live there. Oh yeah. It, it's just unrelenting yeah it's just everywhere all the time they're breaking down the fourth line wingers plus minus for an hour and a half on talk radio in the morning and it's too much it's too much in some of those markets you know montreal's tough toronto's tough vancouver's difficult i think edmonton's become that way oh now. it was yeah. yeah i talked to pronger's wife one time about what they went through in edmonton oh. with the chris pronger stuff yeah you just can't go anywhere he, no. well yeah and they, i think they burnt his furniture or something after it's crazy like yeah. that so it was it's nut bar you know, I, I used to you know fan comes from the word fanatic. Fanatic. You there you go. You're aware of that. 
Yeah, the most comfort- uncomfortable I've ever felt is when I was in Quebec, just a sluggo being called up for the first time, go out to Chez Dago Bear, one of the best bars. Hey, uh, hey. hey, have you ever been there? It's nice. It's a good spot. But anyway, the whole, once I walked in, the whole place just stopped and I was with another player and they all just stared at us for like an hour. Yeah. We're having a beer and we're, and they just stared at us for an hour. It's great. And that's when I understood I never monkeys want to be famous. We were monkeys in the zoo and it was weird, but people knew who you were. And like I said, I never wanted to be famous after that. I'm out on that. That was yeah. crazy. When I was not traveling with the team, the easiest thing to do is to fly into Calgary, drive to Edmonton, drive back, fly right. out of Calgary, go straight to Dallas. So it was a back to back. You jump in the car at whatever, eight in the morning, they're not skating. And uh, you drive up to Edmonton, two, two and a half hours or whatever. And uh, so I have the radio on, on the Edmonton fan station to get ready for the game. And they're talking Oilers and they keep talking. And so then I go and get lunch and eat it in the car. And I sit there and I don't have a hotel because I'm going to turn around and drive back. And so I'm just sitting there listening like 10 hours of Edmonton. And they were the worst team in the league. Wrote your article for you, They did. (laughs) But I'm just like, how in the world can you, like, it's not like they went and talked Calgary Flames or Vancouver or football or basketball. Edmonton Elks. Formerly the Eskimos, <laughs> right. which we can't say, say anymore. That. They talked that I Edmonton did. Oiler hockey for eight hours. Sure. Well, and they country. were the worst team in the league. Yeah. Sometimes there's more to talk about when I they're the worst so. team than the best. <laughs> Forget about the rings. That's right. Uh, we're getting to the end of this here. Uh, very quickly, the key to pulling out of this sort of neutral that the team's in right now and getting into gear, uh, if I said to you, it's the young guys, it's a 25 and under crowd, or it's the 30 and overs that are the key to it, what would you say? I'd say the, the younger. Savvy? I'm going to go with the Cougars. I think the <laughs> Cougars can do it. They got to get out a little more effort from everybody. I don't care if you're yeah. young or old. Yeah, right? true. Yeah. You know, I was watching Calgary the other day and they're like, that's a team. They're big, they're strong, they're nasty. They're going to the net. Even Winnipeg last night, right? How many times do we see a guy in front of the net or two uh, all the time? Right? Yeah. Funnel pucks toward the net, right? Scoring these days, you're not going to get, yeah, we see the pretty oh, there plays. There some grotesque goals scored in that Wasn't game there? last yeah, Kachuk night. Kachuk standing in front and of the that's net. That's how you score them. Yeah. Well, you look at the first goal yesterday. How'd that one? That one went yeah, off the huh? knob of his stick in yeah. front of the net. Yeah. That's it. I, I struggle with this one. I, I want to say the young guys. I, I really do. Cause I, I, but I, if the old guys, old guys, you know, in their 30s, <laughs> right. uh, if they, if they A, either start breaking down and uh, aren't available, or the pace of play, or uh, they just can't keep up uh, game in and game out as this thing gets a little busier. I think that'll be problematic. The kids are good. No, well, yeah. I, and my reason for my answer is I've kind of lost a little confidence that the Bens and the Sagans are going to get better. Don't lose your confidence. I know, Mike. We'll but pump I, you up. But my know. point is Are you I, always the Debbie Downer on this? I am. Thing? I really am. Yes, actually. actually <laughs> is that right? Yes. But, oh, but, Mike. Oh, here's my up. <laughs> I think there's so much more that Rope can do. I, I love Jason Robertson. I love Miro. I mean, these are guys who are moving up. And if they can take that step and become dominant players, like somebody was listening on NHL Network, and they were asking, well, who needs to get going? And I'm going like, Rope. Rope needs to get going because he can. And if he does, if he becomes you know, that guy that we all think he can be, I do think that really can bring some energy to the team. And you're, I mean, it has to be both of them, obviously, mm-hmm. but. If I had to make a choice, which Daryl made me do, I went yeah, with the kids. that's what we do on the podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, I say Calgary, you say what? Calgary. 
<laughs> You're so American. Uh, uh, just they're playing a lot better than I really thought they would. I kind of thought they were oh, a mess. Oh, went with legitimate hockey. On with this legitimate one. hockey. Oh. Are you talking about the actual time? I don't know. Of I'm just. I'm, it's just a question. Okay. Uh, I'm just trying to wrap up the podcast okay. here. Uh, the actual town. Uh, it You've re- answered three different times it re- now. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of uh, Fort Worth. I yes. For the Fort Worth okay. Telegram. So when I say Calgary, you say Fort Worth. There you go. Hmm. Sevy, when I say Calgary, you say. Stampede, baby. Yeah, <laughs> that's the answer. That's the bar hopping on the it's stampede. Either, it's either Stampede or Cowboys would yeah. be the other answer to Calgary. <laughs> but also, I want to say big, meaty defensemen. Does that team look bigger to you? Yes. Holy cow. They yeah. There's mutants all over the place. Yeah. Our old buddy Kirk Muller's on that bench now. Yeah. And, yeah. and Daryl Sutter's. It's a pretty good coaching it, staff. It is. And it they, really is. They're playing a completely different brand of hockey than they have in the last five or six years. It's weird. Consistent, right? That's what they keep talking about, the yep. consistency in their game. Uh you been to the Stampede? What? Does the bear what in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> I say Vancouver. You say what, Mike? Uh, I love the Sea to Sky Highway because we've taken it a few times. So you go from the ocean to Whistler. Like in no time at all. Like I've never seen that, anything like that. It's like a literal translation <laughs> of, of the Sea to Sky as you might find in a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. <laughs> but where can Why you they have the call opportunity it the BLT? to do that? It's, ama- it's an it amazing is. drive. It is. It is. I say Vancouver, you say what, Sevy? What's the hotel we always stay at there? Do you remember which one it was? That well, right we, by the ocean? I don't know, mate. You, you've probably been in a couple. We stay but- at the owner, Tom Gillardy's oh, mine establishment. Sorry about that. The- I wasn't in- no, I wasn't involved in that. I didn't get a chance to see that. <laughs> we get a whole plate of chocolate when we walk in there and it's solid chocolate. Yeah, really? Big. That's yes. what I mean. Heard to hear that. What I about the tomahawk steaks? Yes, indeed. And it's right there. It's, it's really? like half a block from Robson's. Is that during the back-to-back that you guys had? <laughs> you have to fight through? You son. Uh, for uh, me, it's sitting- The Sutton Place is beautiful. Yeah, I forget beautiful. the name of the hotel. Sitting in the hotel, opening up the windows, having oh, breakfast. Oh, the Pan Pacific Pan down there? Pan Pacific. Thank yeah. you very much. You see the biplanes land. With the $48 uh, breakfast buffet? I'll take it. I took it every time because, <laughs> you know. And then you see the planes in the mountains behind, and there, yeah. that was the unique. That, I, never, I actually didn't go to the buffet. I always had room service and open up those windows. Yes. Nice. Because they wouldn't allow you at the buffet because you'd take the pot. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. 8,000 calories a day when I play. (laughs) And that's no joke. You're packing it on. So I I think of uh, the seawall in Vancouver and and that run. And I miss that. I'll miss it this time. Yeah. Eight miles around there. And then I can't walk the rest of the day. And I got bleeding nipples one time at the end. Is this too much information? Am I sharing too much? Put the band aids on. I know I should have. I didn't no, think I was going to run that far soft. or sweat that oh, much. <laughs> like I had a sandpaper t-shirt on that day. All right. Uh, I say thanks to both of you, Brent Severin, Mike Heike for this. This was fun. Thanks for finally showing yeah, up. Yeah, thanks, Sorry Mike. And uh, a pleasure talking to Sevy about uh, his journey. Th- that's the hip way of saying things now. Yeah. What's that? The journey. Tell us about your journey is what they always that's want new? to say. Yeah, apparently. It's something they do on TikTok. Mike, is that new? Yes. Daryl just, uh, just invented it. Anything you want to anything you want to plug on the way out? Sevy, anything? You got anything? Kids pass the puck. Yes. Kids pass the puck. <laughs> uh, uh, patience. Okay. 
I, I mean, I, I'm the... For I'm, you coming into this I'm thing? The, I know. Waiting for, for the you. listener to <laughs> yeah. fight their and way that, through, through me. an hour of this. Right. All right. Otherwise, peruse DallasStars.com. You got anything in the works for our peeps today? Yeah, actually, I'm going to write something I think that'll probably make them mad, but... Okay, we'll just leave it at I'll that. Just That's leave it like at that. a tease. Yeah. And uh, consume Bally Sports Southwest uh, broadcast from start to finish. I'm just noticing it's a lot like the Blazers hat you're Isn't wearing. It yeah, it's very similar to the Bally Sports with the Blazers. I'm, I'm just noticing it. Today. No S's, just B's. Yeah, why do you wear that hat? Are you just trying to suck up to the owner? Anyway, go stars. Where's Heike? Is he always late like this, Razor? No, seriously. Like, listen, I'm, I've been here for half an hour. Where is Heike? <laughs> you guys always wait for him?